The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Wednesday, September 27th. It is hump day. And today is National Corn Beef and Hash Day. National Chocolate Milk Day, because what else are you going to wash down with corn beef and hash? Oh, man. National Crush a Can Day. National Women's Health and Fitness Day, Liz. World Dense Breast Day. I brought the guns. Yes. World Dense Breast Day. What do you think about that? And National... Day of forgiveness, everybody. That's right. Well, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where you live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and Rumble. Is that all of them, Adam? Oh, yeah, that's right. We got our technical difficulties working out over here. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. But so we want to welcome everyone joining us from any of those platforms as well as everyone uh, joining us live today. But I'm going to kick it off real quick. I, we, I have a bunch of stories for you guys, and we have Liz Grow joining us back today. So we want to give a warm welcome back to Liz Grow. And we also have Mr. Dale Schaefer. Gretchen is out on the hill working on safe banking. Rico is is probably getting discharged from the hospital today. So we want to give a big ups to Rico and his family and send a lot of love over to him over there, as well as uh, Mandy and Luke happen to be traveling today. So nonetheless, nonetheless, we're going to keep this thing going. Man, oh, man, oh, man. It's probably the cleanup crew today, Jason. Exactly, exactly. But, man, let me tell you about this. Oh, boy, because the U.S. Senate looks at cannabis banking reform, but the industry says it's not enough. A U.S. Senate committee will meet today. That's right. On Wednesday, we'll vote on whether to advance a bill that will allow the legal cannabis industry access to banking, an option the industry lobbyists have long sought. But even before the Senate Banking Committee takes up the Secure and Fair Enforcement Regulation Banking Act, nicknamed SAFER Act, some in the industry say it's not enough. They point to issues including 280E of the federal tax code, which states that businesses dealing in illicit substances cannot write off the cost of doing business from their taxes. Critics, critics include Cody Bass, owner of Tahoe Wellness, a cannabis dispensary in Lake Tahoe, California, who said he is facing $3.4 million in back due taxes due to Section 280E. In a quote, he says, it's really meant to put you out of business. That was the intent of Congress when they passed this in 1983. It was intended for cocaine smugglers in Miami, Bass said. The disconnect between federal and state governments is concerning for the $13.2 billion legal marijuana industry and the federal government lists cannabis as a Schedule I drug with no potential medical uses, making it even more strictly controlled than cocaine and fentanyl. Meanwhile, 22 states have legalized cannabis either for medical or adult use purposes, and the legislation has been in the works for years, first introduced in 2013 by Democratic Senator Jeff Merkley. And the industry's pretty frustrated that we're still talking about it, said Aaron Smith, CEO of the NCIA, National Cannabis Industry Association. In April 22, a poll 
from Pew Research found that 88% of Americans believe some form of cannabis should be legal, with 59% believing in legalization of both medical and adult use purposes. And Republican Senator Mike Rounds, a member of the Senate Banking Committee, said he continued to oppose safer. In a quote, he says, I just don't think that we should be doing that we should that, that we should be at this stage of the game doing things that allow for the proliferation of businesses that market cannabis in the United States, he said. I don't see a positive to that, he says. Merkley called the 280E issue outrageous, but f- but flagged the struggle of getting a supermajority of 60 senators to support anything cannabis-related. In a quote, he says, "There's a possibility somebody may ride may may raise it when it when it when we get this bill over to the floor." He said, "The challenge we will have is what we can add to keep the coalition together in order to have the 60 votes and get a final vote." He said, and I know Gretchen's over there working on it, and I'm hearing that they're going to be introducing a buttload of amendments to this bill today, so it could potentially tank it. Or it could end up floating on right into a vote in the Senate. What do you guys think? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour. It's a little nibble at a big problem. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and look at when this got started in the 1980s, and not necessarily started, started, but when Lynn Bias died and they brought in minimum, minimum mandatories and went after smugglers writing stuff off their taxes. It was uh, at a period of time when people were pissed about law and order and there were some crazy things happening. Now we're, what, 40-something years later? Mm-hmm. And we're still dealing with um, the unintended consequences of actions back in those days. And if, if you target it for cocaine, but anything that's illegal is going to fall within it. Now how do you get cannabis or marijuana or whatever term you want to use out of that uh, and to allow banking, I mean, you have to specifically target a bunch of other things to exclude them from these this legislation, or you, then you've got to expand it to go beyond banking. 280E is killing the industry. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that's just, that's a as big a problem as as uh, banking is. I, 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 you can't do one without the other. I just don't see it. I, I, I agree with you, Dale. Uh, we, we definitely need some 280E relief, but we're not going to get that with a safe banking bill. Uh, unfortunately, we would get that if they did move this to Schedule 3, but we're not going to win at all, and we're just going to hand the industry over to Big Pharma if that happens. Well, and exclude all the um, social equity applicants and anyone oh, yep. with criminal records. Yep. yep, anyone with social equity will not be eligible under Schedule 3 to maintain a cannabis license, that is for sure. Mm. What do you think about this, Liz? Consequences. Consequences? It's it's well what it is is it's just it's so it's so twisted you know these mm-hmm. laws were made um, with ill intent and um, not in order to progress our society but to in you know lock up certain populations of the society and so now we're talking about disentangling them mm-hmm. and and what could be if we even got a little crumb oh my gosh you know we get so excited about the thought of having just a little more freedom mm-hmm. around a plant that. It's just a plant, you know, I'm choir here, but I'm never hopeful. I mean, I think I've learned this from you, Jason. I'm really never hopeful when I see yeah. <laughs> that anything is happening in the Senate or that there's rumblings in the Senate. Well, uh, I just you, don't. You know what they say about the Senate, God. right? You know what they say, they say about, about the Senate? Senate? They say that is where bills go to die. There you go. And now yep. we're talking about it. Yep. These are not good times to get anything through Congress. There's petulant pissing matches going on up there. No, have show, no concern for the American public. They're just want to have a pissing match over something. It's hard to imagine anything's going to get done. Um, it's it just it's frustrating because those of us been in this for decades have been waiting for decades for someone to get their head out of their ass and figure out a reasonable path through this. And the default mm-hmm. position is it stays like it is. And mm-hmm. the problem is staying like it is kills the industry. So it's a circular argument. And I know in California, you know, growing weeds a misdemeanor soaking wet. And in other places are just decriminalizing or dropping the penalties down. So the black market really doesn't have a lot of incentive not to go out there and just do what it's doing because it's a misdemeanor. 
Exactly. You know, this is just a, you're chasing your tail and no one wants to stand still, look up and figure out, okay, how could we reasonably tick off the boxes and make this possible? And those are discussions because we're not going to have, because they want to compartmentalize each discussion. Well, it's a banking issue. No, oh, it's a tax issue. No, it's, it's a controlled substances issue. Schedule three versus D. It's like you're full of shit everywhere you look. It's just mm -hmm. hard to deal with. I couldn't agree mm -hmm. with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. They cannot mm -hmm. get their shit together on this one. But, uh, Dale, are you familiar with Operation Choke Point? Um, no. Okay, so that's 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 a case law that um that that, that they point that they point to that uh, Senate Republicans mainly point to in regards with safe banking, and they wanted the Operation Choke Point language to make sure that it was removed, and it is causing some contention amongst the Democrats on the side to where it could possibly tank safe banking. And I know from my time that I was on the Hill for a while, too, working uh, with the Senate Banking Committee, that the uh, Senate Banking Chairman, that was one of his number one key points if safe banking was going to move, is that it had language in there, including the removal of Operation Choke Point. So what is Choke Point? I'm, I'm, I, I don't have my oh. Google thing right here to do all that for you, Dale, right now. Yeah. Yes. It, Dale, you're in luck. I do. Operation Choke Point was an initiative of the United States Department of Justice beginning 2013, there we go. which investigated banks in the United States and businesses that they did with firearms dealers, yep. payday lenders, and other companies believed to be at high risk for fraud and money laundering. There we go. Liz Grow coming in on the... Oh, yeah. There you go, girl. Yep. I do. Yep. Operation you need point. your backup. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. So that that that's yeah. that that's the crux of it, Dale. Well, it seems like the best laid plans don't think about the long term consequences. And so, yeah, if they could take um, cannabis and any, if they couch it as legal under state law, okay, mm -hmm. which takes it out of the black market, you know, hopefully, and allow banking of those because we have we have a ten thousand dollar limit. Or you've got to start doing the the FISA pay, the paperwork to get that money in the bank, and it's a it's a mess. Mm -hmm. it's a ten thousand dollar sale in our industry is nothing. That's pocket change for moving a lot of products in and around businesses, and so banking just continues to trip us up. And if you're under the state's um, uh, review for your license and you're following the rules, then what is the uh, extra problem here with fraud? there's a local and a state agency looking over you doesn't mean they won't commit that but you're not at high risk for fraud anymore if you're under the the guise of a state agency and a license mm -hmm. so it's, it's you know yeah. going clear back to the minimum mandatory problems from the from the 80s and, and 280e the long-term consequences of a knee-jerk reaction to go after a problem or we're left with more problems down the line and then the arguments oh if we do this it's going to cause that problem well, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Take it out of the CSA and let this be handled like alcohol and stop all this nonsense. But, you know, that's too much of an ask in these times where everyone wants to shoot each other. Yeah. Just crazy. Right. Right. Everyone wants to shoot each other. No one wants to agree. Everyone has the right answer. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like we're all just fighting these like mini battles. There's no unification. It doesn't seem like there's any leadership that is reasonable or taking a reasonable approach with cannabis. I mean, certainly not here in Texas, you mm -hmm. know, um, but just it seems to. Yeah, it just it's it seems like there are bleak times ahead with, uh, you know, cannabis. That very, very true. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that, Liz. Seeming seeming very, very bleak. But uh we're gonna we're gonna keep this show rolling. Um we're gonna go right into a commercial and we're gonna be right back. Relying on twenty-five years of commercial hydroponic experience, King Solomon Nutrients has engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment. Through relentless passion research and innovation king solomon has developed simplified cannabis crop nutrition you can trust it was created for farmers by farmers don't mess around try the crown oh 
yes, and we're back. We're going to go right on into Dale Schaefer's story. He's the founder of our model law practice and at one point in time did some time for a cannabis crime. That's right. It is Mr. Dale Schaefer. Uh, good morning, everybody. And for those on the East Coast, good afternoon. It's time for a highball somewhere, right? Um, my story comes out of Law 360. It, it has to do with bankruptcy, which, you know, yawn, yawn. Um, I always tell Gretchen, you know, have your espresso now because this shit's inside the inside baseball and it makes people bored. Uh, we had a decision um, out of a bankruptcy sort, court here in California, and the headline is Pod Company's Chapter 11 again is okayed over U.S. trustees' protest. Now, my, my firm... Um, helps businesses liquidate, buy, sell assets, mergers and acquisitions, things like that. And it's not uncommon to run across a company that is underwater. In fact, it's probably to be expected in California. If some company's up for sale, it's underwater. And the question is, what do you do about that? In traditional business, you have the bankruptcy courts available and you file a petition in bankruptcy and a trustee comes in and gathers all your assets up, identifies all your creditors, uh, and then you put together a plan to liquidate or reorganize, and the creditors are paid what they're going to get, and then they don't like it too bad. And the business is then off the hook. It's out of trouble from a creditor-debtor standpoint. Now, this case involves what used to be called Lowell Herb Company, and they were manufacturers of products here in California. They sold them to dispensaries. And I don't have all the, the financials in front of me. It doesn't really matter. They were upside down. Uh, and so they seized operations uh, in 2021. They, uh, they transferred their intellectual property, which is basically their, their uh, trademark and their names, to a Canadian cannabis company for nine, a little over 9% of the company's shares which is worth 35 million bucks. About a year and a half after they ceased operations, they filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is a liquidation. We're gonna gather up all your debts, all your assets, and then we're gonna liquidate them all, pay your creditors off, and then you're done, okay? U.S. trustee, the, the bankruptcy trustee, filed a, a motion to dismiss uh, last year, November of last year, I think, and the court said, hang on, hang on. You know, just because there's cannabis involved here doesn't mean we're going to dismiss. Okay? Um, and then the trustee lost. The judge was not going to dismiss and allow the plan to go forward. The trustee filed a second motion to dismiss. And the court took another look at it and came up with the same conclusion. And they came up with the conclusion for some narrow reasons. Um, first of all, um, Lowell had stopped doing any active cannabis business. And what they were, they owned stock in what appeared to be a lawful cannabis uh, corporation, which is operating a cannabis uh, businesses in Canada lawfully. So they were no longer actively involved in weed. They owned stock. The trustee took the position that, oh, no, this is a conspiracy to violate the Controlled Substances Act because you own stock in a company that's out slinging weed. And, and the court said, oh, no, I'm not buying that, okay? Even though they, that, that's a possibility, it's not required that I dismiss for, for those types of assertions. Goal of bankruptcy is to get the most money to the creditors. If you keep dismissing these cases <clears throat> for a tenuous connection to cannabis, creditors lose out, okay? And then the trustee tried to say, well, it's money laundering, and the court said, hang on, if, we, if we're going to administer it, the bankruptcy court is not guilty of money laundering. So get the hell out of here. Okay, so now that the court has approved the plan, what Lowell is, what Hacienda is the company that is technically uh, before the bankruptcy court, they're going to sell their stock in the Canadian company over time because they argue that if we dump it all at one time, it, it it uh, diminishes the value of the stock, and the creditors just will not get there as much value as if you let it sell it over time. The court agreed to administer the sale of the stock over time to get maximum benefit to creditors. So the bankruptcy pundits are trying to figure out, what the hell does this mean? And it seems that if you um, stop being actively involved in cannabis for at least a year, that's at least one marker. And if your connection to cannabis is not direct, 
but it's um, it's more tenuous than that. And I don't know if anybody understands completely what that's going to mean. But Hacienda owns stock in a, a legal business in Canada <clears throat> that arguably violates California, United States law. And the court found that that's a tenuous enough connection to allow this to go through. I do not know what this is going to mean for going forward because there's too many businesses out there that I've dealt with either as, as an attorney or going after them to try to uh, acquire them where they're upside down and they just don't know what the hell to do. Receivership is the other area you can go to, but you lose control of your business. If your creditors start suing you, the court can bring everybody in and try to assign assets to creditors and get people to agree to accept those and dismiss all the other charges. But bankruptcy, the bankruptcy court will bring an end to it. Debtor is let go with no no remaining debt. The creditors get what they get, and you actually have a clean business after that. So I don't know what the answer is going to be, because without bankruptcy protection, people's investment in cannabis companies are very tenuous. You could lose it. And again, this is where you need a couple of espressos just to deal with this, because unless you're involved in a company upside down, this is boring as shit. It's like watching paint dry. But if you do have a cannabis company that's upside down and you need help liquidating assets or selling it, then this may be helpful to you. So that's the story for this morning. Throw back at uh, Liz and Jason. What do you guys have to say about this? I have a quick question, Dale. Is it is the issue that they're trying to file for bankruptcy twice or um, like what's what's the issue what well, you know the, the issue is that the trustee lost and didn't like it so he made a second uh, at it okay um, they filed bankruptcy september of last year and the, the trustee filed for dismissal and didn't like their plan okay mm -hmm. the oh, okay said, no we're not going to dismiss this and they came back at him again the court said no we're not going to dismiss it because mm -hmm. he's trying to come back and say hey this is money laundering they have all this stock in this canadian weed company and man I, I, it's, I'm, it's well, I'm surprised Dale, that they don't statutes are are uh, allow for prosecutions for all kinds of tenuous shit in and around the cannabis industry and we need some clarification of that also well Dale, i'm, I'm really surprised that the judge is even allowing this to proceed in this manner i mean because how, how how i view it is he should throw all of the common stock into a receivership and 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 just let it let them figure it out in there that, they, that to me i don't see how they have any business talking about this even in a bankruptcy court seeing as how they don't allow uh, uh, cannabis businesses to 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 uh to use that well First of all, bankruptcy has very limited jurisdiction. It, mm -hmm. it can't order anything to receivership. It can either allow bankruptcy and a bankruptcy plan to be approved or not. That's basically the limit of it. And you're right. We have not gone to bankruptcy because a couple of cases just said absolutely not. If you're involved in cannabis, don't even mm -hmm. try to come in the front door. You're not going to get exactly. There. And this one, the trustee was told, hang on for a second. Federal statutes do not require that we dismiss for... Um, criminal underlying criminal activity. They brought up Enron. They brought up P, uh, PG&E out here with Aaron Brockovich. Mm -hmm. They brought Bernie Madoff. It's like, dude, there's a lot of money out there that in a bankruptcy court was gained through uh, illegal activities. And so the bankruptcy courts are not required to dismiss because there's underlying criminal activity. You can divest. So it gets real geeky and wonky. But, you know, people out there running a business who can't pay their bills and the creditors are threatening to sue them. You know, you're looking for every avenue you can to get out from underneath that and get some money back for your investors. And you know, this might uh, allow some small window in uh, bankruptcy court. This is this is a pretty a very interesting development. I imagine a lot of cannabis companies. Um, we'll be using this as an alternative and as an alternative to receivership because receivership is just the worst. Well, yeah, you lose control of your business mm -hmm. and receivers receivers are paid handsomely. Yes, they are. Over your they, they, they are paid handsomely. And, you know, the even the worst part of them being paid handsomely, Dale, is they can accrue mass amounts of debt for your business while they are in control and have absolutely zero liability. I, I get it. And that's why when we sit down and talk to people whose business is underwater, there aren't a lot of good options. Mm -hmm. okay? um, and and I 
I'm currently handling a couple of these where you know the assets were sold and we had to we had to work out detailed arrangements to be responsible for debts mm -hmm. and it's it's still questionable whether that would hold up in court if it turns out you don't you know get all these debts taken care of and somebody sues for not being paid it's still not clear if we can protect the the agreement to sell assets privately in a court of law because it, it this is such a gray area it's it's just frustrating and there are no good answers mm -hmm. uh, receivership you lose control it costs you a shitload of money and you end up as you say jason even more upside down mm -hmm. okay and try to do private agreements and get creditors to ratify that or you all go to court and put together a, a dismissal plan that a court will sign off on yeah that it stiffs creditors if the problem is you're not going to get full value for your debt no nope. and you know people want full value there's people, the hey, people, pe people can want all the hell that they want, but the reality of it is that is that they're not going to get it, even even in the best case scenario for them. Well, and you know, the, the industry here in California, as you know, Jason, they took off like man. This is the Kentucky Derby. Everybody was running as fast as they can. No one was concerned about watching the bottom line of mm -hmm. the businesses like they should. You know, they had too many employees. They're paying too much. They got locked into triple net leases over $2 a square foot. Yep. Shit like that that is not sustainable in the long yep. term. And all of a sudden, the price of product goes down to under a dollar a gram, and you can't pay your bills. Yep. And I've had discussions with too many people where there's the bottom line, and everyone's fighting, what do we do here? And, it, you know, there are no good answers. That's the mm -hmm. problem. Very true. There is no good answers. What are the... No good answers. Before we move on to the next story, though, I yep. would love to hear, Dale, what, you know, obviously your advice is just input good business practices from the beginning um, for folks still wanting to enter into the cannabis industry. Um, do you do you have any other advice for people who still want to make a go at it <laughs> and so they don't well, find I themselves do. here? If I have the opportunity to get there from the formation and foundation of these businesses, then we, uh, we do a lot of educating of what these businesses are all about. You have to understand the regulations, the control group. I've gone so far as to recommend counseling for these people who are gonna run these businesses because if you don't know how to work together with a team to run a business, it's gonna go under. Okay? Then you put together sound business structures with bylaws. Your debt is structured so that you understand it and the investors are cool with the potentials for making money or not making money. Okay. That's what you need to do to get started. Bring accountants in, make sure you've got 280E covered, and you have to be as lean as you can be. You know, when this got started, every business had four bud tenders to hold your hand and walk you around and tell you what weed was all about. And it's like, now, fuck you. Go on the internet and look it up. Come in and tell me mm -hmm. what you want. Because I can't afford to have someone hold your hand and give you coffee while you come in and buy weed for us. These are just examples. People weren't thinking about um, a business acumen here. Uh, they were thinking about, I'm slinging weed, I'm going to make a lot of money until you don't. And then you've got yep. debt coming out your ears. So, yeah, yep. there are ways to do this. But I typically get brought in when there's a shit sandwich somebody has to eat. And it's like, okay, Dale, how do we make this shit sandwich taste, you know, palatable enough? And there's not always a way to make it taste palatable. It's just a shit sandwich someone's got to eat. Oh man, someone's gonna eat it. Make sure you get them a wet nap, Dale. I recommend barbecue sauce. Oh man, barbecue sauce for those for those uh, those those uh, cow dung pies, huh? Sandwiches, yeah. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> cow dung pies. Yeah. There are a lot of hemp farmers, I think, eating cow dung pies in Texas. Oh, there there's, <laughs> there's going to be a lot more after this next farm bill comes out too. Man, oh, I. And what you know, Liz, is that in, in Texas, they have the saying that you're a, a lot of hat and not much cattle. And yeah. almost every All business hat, no I'm involved with, is you have these people that, you know, a lot of hat and no cattle. Oh, I'm mm -hmm. going to make all this money for you. Yeah. How? And that, that's where they, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> all oh, the sizzle, boy. no steak, man. Yeah. You got to stick your head up that bull's ass to know what you're working with. Exactly. That's what we say. Yes, you do. Exactly. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, you guys. All right, I'm gonna we're gonna keep this thing rolling. I'm gonna roll right into my next stories. Thank you so much for covering that, Dale. That is a very, very important topic and covers a, a, 
affects really almost every business in the cannabis space. So uh, good looking on that. But uh, there's a relative of a deceased Alabama marijuana license defends the f- defends family and cure relief. Hold on, let me read this again. Relative of deceased Alabama marijuana licensee defends family and cure relief, you guys. Okay, so get ready for this. The granddaughter of a deceased applicant named on an Alabama medical marijuana license from uh, form defended her family and its joint venture with multi-state operator Cure Relief Holdings. Martha Carter, the former president of Carter's Contracting Services, is listed as a 51% owner of Three Notch Roots, a joint venture with Cure Relief, the company's minority application for an integrated facility license. Carter, Carter died in March before the application deadline, according to the Alabama Political Reporter News website. And still, the Alabama Medical Cannabis Commissioner, the AMCC, ranked the application 8 out of 38 in a, state, in a statement supplied by Cure Leaf Holdings. Hannah Carter, the granddaughter of Mirtha Carter, said the application was compliant with state regulations. In a quote, my family is indigenous to this region and we have deep roots in agriculture, which made us an ideal partner for the team at Cure Leaf as they sought to ensure a local approach to their launch in the state of Alabama, Carter said. Further, we have always been transparent about our intentions to secure a license in the state of Alabama. To that end, we have overheard, or excuse me, we have adhered to every regulatory disclosure and requirements throughout the application process. For anyone to suggest that passing that passing of our that the passing of a, a family member was related to this process is not only offensive, but libelous. They say. It's 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 not the first issue that's been raised, although uh, through Alabama's medical marijuana licensing process this past year, the first round of licenses was was voided in June and a new batch of licenses was awarded in August. Chicago based multi-state operator Verano Holdings is one of two companies suing the AMCC after initially winning and then subsequently losing a coveted vertically integrated license. It also um, it, it also it, it's also not the first time questions have been raised about whether a marijuana license application by a deceased person is valid. A Florida family was denied a cannabis license by a judge in August after their applicant, Moten Hawkins, died after submitting the application. Well, 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 this poses a whole new different type of set of legal arguments, I feel that we're going to see in the cannabis space. And I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. There are no jurisdictions I'm aware of who thought about what happens if your equity applicant croaks on you before you get through the process. Yes, I don't think that was in anybody's uh, plan of action. No, wait, why is it taking so long? People are dying. Okay, that's the oh, first that's problem. A good spin right the process there, Liz. is taking too goddamn long. That's a great spin yeah. right there. Are Liz. too many people. I love it. Well, I agree. <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what we try to do is if somebody's married, okay, we we get agreements with the spouse about how ownership is going to happen. And if they're not married, and we put in provisions that, you know, the, the company gets to buy back the stock so you maintain control of it as a company. When you have the social equity applicant, they're not a company. They're a person, a real flesh and blood person. You can't split them up into pieces, okay? So the, most places require 51% at least ownership mm-hmm. of your social equity. Mm-hmm. So that person cannot be the, the, the um, fictitious entity of a business, okay? They've got to be that person. So that's where the disconnect is. And these these local jurisdictions, they could fuck up a wet dream. I'm telling you right now, they have not thought about any of this stuff. And so when you bring something new to them, they go, oh, let's just pull the plug and start over again. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. People have put tens of thousands of dollars into getting these licenses and you decide, well, we're going to start over again because we fucked something up. Mm-hmm. How are you going to get yourself sued? It just makes, like Liz says, you go for years. I've got a project right now that's four years waiting for even the planning commission to approve it. We haven't put a shovel in the ground. And it's like, this is ridiculous. 
Man. It's fucking ridiculous. And it's because everybody's got their hand in the pie. And that is the problem. And it's all, oh, well, there's social equity here and there's here. I mean, it's all of these these complex rules around what essentially is an industry around agriculture, mm -hmm. um, around distribution. You know, um, it's a consumer industry. Um, yes, it is a medicine. And I believe in regulation. I sure do. I would like to have a safe product when I go into the dispensary. But, you know, I'm also an American who can go down the street and buy four loco and, um, you know, down that. And that's perfectly legal. And if you don't know what four loco is, look it up. Oh, um, but it's just like, come on, what are we doing here? It's all bullshit. It's all complex bullshit. And I'm so sorry for these families who are fighting to see their dream realized, because that's another thing. You can't put it all. I mean, I, I know you have to have one applicant. You have to have one person to point to. But it's just not realistic. You know, these are groups. Organizations are coming together to pull this money and pull the brains and pull the all of it. You know, just because a person dies does not mean that the dream dies or the system dies. Um, so it's just it's. What a mess, you know. Congratulations, Alabama. Man, I, I mean, I, I just feel like Texas looks good. You know, and and I find it interesting because, like, even with Los Angeles with social equity licenses, those, you know, you you can't transfer them, and if you do are, are able to transfer them, they have to be transferred to someone that is also a, a qualified social equity applicant. And I just don't understand how these these people um not having the ability to transfer these licenses are able going to be able to ever really obtain the generational wealth that was promised to them at the beginning of all these programs exactly exactly and if i we could go on and on it just it's yeah. it's just it's a mess and it's ineffective and it's mm -hmm. just not working i mean yeah i mean and at the same time too i'm surprised that on some of these applications that they wouldn't allow for uh something like in the event of 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 someone's passing for them to possibly even put into their application in the beginning that uh you know we're going to file under this person and if something happens to them as far as their their health wise or whatnot then it it it, it transfers into maybe like a, a trust that their family would 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 hold or something like that like that to me would make the most sense yeah right i have a question how does the alcohol industry do it you know, how does the tobacco industry do it? How does any fucking industry do it? You know, um, can we take best practices or no? Is this is this plant just too crazy? You no, know, like oh, it's it's just that's what's happening. Is other industries are thriving? If we get to a point where we figure this out, my family owned liquor licenses. When we decided that we were done, we put them up for auction. They were sold. Um, the alcohol commission took a look and make sure that you weren't disqualified for any reason when you bought it and you just sold it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we divested ourselves of the liquor licenses and I'm working in a jurisdiction right now where if before you get your, um, your local business operations permit and all your permits, if you change ownership, you have to go back and start from scratch. Okay? Mm -hmm. That is stupid. That kills them. Yeah. And then other places there just is no, there's nothing in the ordinance that, that, that helps you. And so you're wondering, well, if I go in and ask for a change of ownership now, what's it gonna do? I've got a dispensary right now in, in Tracy, or Tracy in, in, in here in California has no, no, no language in their ordinance about this, what happens, okay? So if you try to change ownership in midstream, we don't know, it's possible they'll go, oh, cool, you know, because the social equity applicant's gonna be there, the others are gonna go away. Maybe they'll just approve it. Maybe they won't. So we mm -hmm. got to stay. It's like being in a bad marriage where you can't sell the house. Mm -hmm. You know, wife lives in one room, husband lives in another. They don't want to share the toilet. They're just hate each other. But you got to, you know, smile and look like you're doing this until you get through the local process because the state says you can buy and sell these licenses. You know, you just, you got to retain 20% ownership and then get them approved and you sell your next 20%. We've been doing this for years. So I, I don't know. It's it's very frustrating for me because I don't have an answer for people other than roll the dice, you mm -hmm. know, and don't sue me if it turns out, you know, that you lost. Man, man, oh man, oh man. And on that, we gotta you go to Dale. Yes, we gotta go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back.
The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. All right, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you smash that like button for us. I know YouTube would appreciate it, and therefore we would appreciate it. Also, you can read all of our articles that we cover today on the show on www.hyatt9news.com on our website. And there's tons of merch, tons of things you can interact with over there. So make sure you go over there and check it out. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Now, I know you guys didn't think that I was going to leave out a New York story for you guys today, right? I know you guys knew that there definitely had to be a New York story today, right? There's so much going on out there. Oh, man. Well, New York pot regulator plans 1,500 new cannabis licenses to sell their surplus. Because there's so much boof wheat in New York, they need more stores. Oh, man, I feel so bad for the consumer base out there. New York pot regulators, uh, cannabis regulator, is looking to grant 1,500 new licenses to help alleviate a surplus of marijuana that producers have built up amid a lack of legal channels for sales. Cannabis growers have been sitting on excess marijuana as the state's total uh, tally of legal retailers stands at about two dozen. John Caggia, director of public policy of the Office of Cannabis Management, referred to the dynamic as market asymmetry, they call it. The regulator will grant more licenses to get more stores open to help sell off what he called a, in quotes, get ready for this, you guys, significant surplus of cannabis biomass. According, I'd just call it a big pile of boof, and you might as well just burn it all into a firestorm, and that would probably do a lot better. But nonetheless, according to a webcast meeting on Tuesday referring to producers' unprocessed cannabis, officials at the agency said they've prepared to offer around 1,500 new licenses across the supply chain. The state's market is growing quickly as more businesses come online despite bureaucratic delays and a lack of funding options. Retail sales in July... And the first three weeks of August totaled $34.1 million more than the first six months of the year combined, according to the agency. And New York's legal cannabis stores are struggling to compete with an illicit market that has moved quickly and undercut legal operators. Well, if the taxes weren't so high, they wouldn't be necessarily undercutting them. But nonetheless... I want to hear what you guys have to say about this New York shit show. And I don't understand, Dale, how they're going to be allowed to to uh, to grant these 1,500 licenses when they're currently under a court injunction. But nonetheless, what do you think? Well, that requires the legislators to be thinking. You know, they don't think. They just react. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's part yeah. of the problem. And no matter how many times you tell them that overtaxing and overregulation just feeds the black market, they... It's like their knee jerk. Oh, I'm going to get my share out of this, you know, this drug enterprises. And no, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want to make this work. You've got to recognize that people want to do this. And it's no different than alcohol. Alcohol is stupid and crazy to drink. I mean, I love it, but, you know, it's stupid and crazy to drink. Smoking tobacco, same thing, stupid and crazy to do, but people want to do it. Mm-hmm. You've tried to make it illegal. And the answer is nobody gives a shit about your laws, okay? And so now we have disrespect for law and order, and it, the default is to let the cops figure this out because these politicians don't have the balls to go in and actually fix these problems. We're not going to, we're not going to, Jason, mm-hmm. this is going to be a decades-long shit show like that here in California where every time a politician thinks they have an idea, you just need to run because they're full <laughs> of shit to their eyeballs. Oh. They just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. It's crazy. No, you're totally, totally oh, right. Oh, God. What do you think, Liz? Nailed it. Nail. I'm just like, I'm cheering over here. Everything you're saying is 
absolutely correct. We have the wrong people making the rules mm -hmm. and it's up to us as the people to put them in place, to put the right people in place. You know, I have a very uh, low tolerance, I think, for complaining about government, just being in Texas. Um, it feels so massive and not being able to, you know, as a population, you know, have, you know, eight billion signatures on mm -hmm. a piece of paper that says, hey, we want weed and take that to our governor and have our governor give us what we want. That's not how it happens. We have to do it through our lawmakers. And so these fucks, I'm sorry, there are so many of them. They are just in it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know where the real leaders are, honestly. Like I've been... I'm looking, man, and um, we don't have a lot of people looking out for the population, looking out for us all. It just seems like everyone's looking out for themselves. And it's just so gross. You're talking about a surplus of cannabis. You know, oh, it may be booth, Jason, and you may never smoke it. Trash. You may never smoke it, but here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. That cannabis could certainly um, save someone's life. No, it can't. Alleviate a nope. patient. No, nope. that, that weed is Listen, not, it's just, not, it's just, not even passing testing, Liz. They had to eliminate okay, their well, testing requirements. Testing, then fuck it. Yeah. Listen, they need I'm to just burn all that shit. Testing. They need to burn all that Dude, shit I'm in a on big your ass side, bonfire. Man. Yeah. I forgive you. They need it's to National just, Forgiveness Day. I forgive you it's for thinking I, that we are like this because we're like this. Jason. I know. I agree with but you. I'm just telling you. That weed is bad, though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it to a homeless person to smoke. Straight up. Okay. Fine. It's bad. It's bad. It's a health. It's a health risk Fair for people, it's, it's, especially with people with compromised immune risk. systems. Well, it needs to go then. If that's the case, yes. then fuck it. It needs to go. It does. However, I do believe there might be a surplus of product on the market that might not be bad. It was just nobody wants to go into a dispensary and spend all that money when you can still just like call up your guy, especially you know, and take a chance. Especially when the weed at the bodega is 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 going to be better and fresher. Just saying. Well, Liz, I don't know how you guys have have handled this in Texas because I've only got one project in Texas. But mm. what I keep running into in California is I'll go talk to some elected body, okay? And you've got at least one or two. That they've got their their asshole puckered up for moral reasons, like, oh my God, if you talk about medicine, perhaps I can I can think about this. But if you're just going to let people smoke weed, my God, we're going to ruin society. These are elected officials who make decisions. And it's like, my God, can you have your head farther up your ass? Okay, you can't tell them that because they get upset. So I try to have the discussion. You know, when you study social, sociology and criminal justice, if a certain percentage of your population doesn't follow your rules, why in the fuck do you put them in place? Mm -hmm. okay? You get disrespectful you. law, you get selective enforcement. We get what we have right now, and we need to have people respect laws. So you got to put laws in, in, a, in effect that people can respect, not this you know, higgledy-piggledy bullshit we see right now because mm -hmm. the black market just laughs and they're, they're making money hand over fist because politicians are afraid that, oh my God, if I let you do this, I'm going to be responsible and, you know, for the downfall of Western society. Give me a fucking break. Just stop. Yes. Yeah, and stop, stop, stop making yes. these retailers yes. pedal boof. No, and I don't think they really believe it either. I think it's just fucking playing the game and staying mm -hmm. comfortable and staying fat and happy, you know, and, and looking out for yours, mm -hmm. not thinking about your community. Get your head out of your ass. You're college educated. You're a respectable person. I've had conversations with these lawmakers, as we all have when we are advocates, and they're nice people. They're kind moms and dads, but it's like you are not doing your job quite literally you know and it's like you have to res you have to come at them with respect but at the same time it's like what in the fuck is it going to take do you think you know liz, that's just liz do you think that being college educated means that you're smart oh no, no okay but i'm just saying you did i'm just saying you did some time you did you Fair did some enough. things and you've shown that you can play the game and you show that you get it. Yeah, but they could have so, they could have just had, on, they just could have had a big bank account and paid someone to do all their classwork the whole time and just skated through. You know, I'm sure some of them do. I'm sure some, some of them do. Some of them do. Um, for sure, but some of them don't and some of, <laughs> some them, are, of them don't. That's true. You know, pretty smart. There are some smart like, people. There are some know. smart people that come out of college, but I just have to say that if common sense was so common dot dot dot
don't teach common sense in college. Exactly. Sorry. And they, 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 they don't I've teach you. I've got advanced degrees, and I'll yeah. tell you, they don't teach you that shit there. If you don't have it going in, you ain't going to have it coming out. <laughs> and on that. Well, that's. Oh, go ahead, Liz. I was just going to say, well, that that's it. That's a cannabis industry for that's, you. That's... You know, it's the fucking strongest survive. Mm-hmm. Very, <laughs> very true. And on that, we're going to keep this thing, keep this train rolling. We're going to roll right into Liz Grow's story. She is the founder of a show called Feminize that highlights women in the cannabis space. She's also one of the founders of Grow House Media for all of your production needs out there in the great state of Texas. Oh, oh yeah. Coming up next, it is none other than the Liz Grow. And uh, thank you for that. Uh, Thanks for having me back. Also, I love being on High at Nine. I love bringing the news and hanging with you guys and, uh, you know, just basically solving the world's problems. But uh, here's something I'm really excited, a story I'm really excited to share with you guys today. It's out of the Detroit News and it's sex, a white Lamborghini and Batman inside Rick Johnson in the marijuana bribery scandal that shook Michigan. You ready for this? Picture this. I was I was born former ready. Michigan House. No, you were. I know you were, Jason. Beck. I love this story. Former House Michigan speaker turned ringmaster of a marijuana licensed circus, teaming with bribes, backhanders, a Lamborghini Huracan, and more clowns than you've ever seen at any circus. So here's what happened. Mr. Johnson, once a shining beacon of Republican values, hey, shout out Republicans, Jason, uh, has swan-dived right into the midst of Michigan's most high-profile corruption case in 30 freaking years, y'all. So what's the flavor of this fall from grace? It's a delectable concoction of bribery and misdemeanors featuring the aforementioned $190,000 high-speed Lambo. So it all unfolds as two lobbyists, Brian Pierce and Vince Brown, and a businessman, John Daywood Daly, Delaley, whatever his name is, he's in jail, doesn't really matter. Um, they confessed to showering Johnson with approximately $110,000 The goal, to smooth out the path to those highly coveted cannabis licenses, of course. But here's the kicker. Johnson could have had a lighter sentence, yet our protagonist seems to have a knack for stirring up trouble with the FBI. So Johnson's not talking, Johnson's not giving, and the FBI is pissed. Now, Michigan prosecutors are leaning towards a six-year stint in the clink for Johnson, painting a rather vivid picture of his escapades, including his nocturnal rendezvous with a prostitute who affectionately tagged him as Batman. How cliche. But wait, there's more. Our crew, including Mr. Brown with his now seized Lamborghini, was supposed, they were all supposed to sing, unveiling the dark underbelly of the Michigan marijuana industry. Yet, the days roll by and there's nothing. They're not talking, they're not saying anything. There are no rats in this crew. Oh, the FBI is pissed. They're going to get even more time in jail. We think they're on somebody's payroll, and I'm definitely dying to hear what you guys have to say about that. So Brown, this flashy, once really obnoxious lobbyist, now watches as his beloved Lamborghini stands as a listed monument to his fall, priced at a robust $210,500. Pierce, another companion in this merry debacle, has found himself from flush to broke, with his extravagant $450,000 home inching towards foreclosure and only $10 in the bank account. It's true, that was in this article. And then there's Rick. Rick is the man, the man of the hour. At 70, he's sporting a federal conviction like a tarnished badge of honor. His illustrious career in politics seems to be a relic of the past. And as his former mate and marijuana licensing board member, Donald Bailey, mused, you've compromised your integrity, how do you come back from that? This is Liz Grow reporting for Hyatt Nine News. Guys, girls, what do you think about this story? Oh, man, Liz, I just wonder what this Batman kept in his utility belt. Right? Yes. Corruption's everywhere, Liz. Uh, I've been in meetings in the the state of California where former politician walks in and says, if you pay me X amount of thousands of dollars per month, I guarantee you're going to everything you want. 
Mm-hmm. And how do you back out of those meetings, you know, and, and leave gracefully? Because it's it's just been going on. We've had some uh, politicians hooked up here in California for some similar shit. We've also had some people have, you know, a cap popped in their ass or some similar shit. So I, thought I, I heard you say cat popped in their ass. Well, I was like, Somebody shot them. Yeah, they pow. Yeah, you know, Texas yeah. style. Texas style. Pow, yeah, pow, absolutely. Pow. Um, damn. Yeah, I mean, I know. It's just, it's just, it's, you gotta, you gotta laugh and you gotta learn from it. And um, I guess find out who those brands are, organizations are with like good people. I guess, I don't know. You know, what's the thing? How do you, as a consumer, how do you um, just fucking. I don't know. Well, the last time we covered this story, because this story has been ongoing, we've covered it two or three times. This is a new update on this story. But he was about to get a okay. sweetheart deal of a plea deal um, in this, where he basically, you know, was not going to get no time. And now, now, Liz, you're saying you're 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 saying that uh, that he has been uncooperative with the prosecutors, and now they're looking at, at serving him like four or five years. Six years, four six. or five. Come on, four or five. We're talking six. Six, six years. They're pissed. And and this this, this 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 is federal prosecutors, right? Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so so therefore so there so therefore you're gonna do 85 percent of your time as a mandatory, um, if you're if you're convicted federally, correct, Dale? Oh, absolutely. All yeah. right. And that's if you do if you're good. Well, that that that, that that's my that's my point. So he's definitely yeah. is going to do at least five years if if convicted good. on this or when convicted on this because uh, I think I think he this this all this stuff definitely happened. It's not like this stuff didn't happen, but uh, we're going to see well, what exactly. these prosecutors can. Most paint. people don't get a feel for until you go through this personally. The prosecutors are literally put a gun to your head. And say, all mm-hmm. right, if you don't start talking, this is what's going to happen to you. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And so in, in my case, the judge made it clear. I'm not going to give you a day over five years, but I mm-hmm. have to give you five years. So it's like, fuck it, we're going mm-hmm. to trial. I'm going to get five years anyway. For these other folks, if you roll the dice and go to trial, you get punished yep. for making them work that hard. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of, of the prosecutions. And, and, and they have over a 90% conviction rate because most people do take the deals and plead and plead plead no contest or plead guilty or a, for, for, for yeah. whatever reason so there is an extremely high uh conviction rate that the government already does it's maintain. easy to convict mm-hmm. okay it's not you don't re- have to have specific intent to commit a crime I mean, growing weed all i had to do was just intend to grow the weed plant and i was guilty you know we tried to argue i was growing it for medical purposes no it don't matter it was a general intent crime you grew weed you're guilty. Ever since the first time you watered it, Hondale, that was your intent. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Oh man, and then conspiracy to grow it. Yep. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and conspiracy is a wow. nasty, nasty charge. Nasty charge. Conspiracy to grow it because you were on like a chat thread with like other growers. No, fuck no. No. I had a, no. a disabled veteran help me grow it, and he drove it to people's houses and gave it to them. But that's a conspiracy to cultivate mm-hmm. and a conspiracy to distribute. Yep. It didn't matter. I didn't make any money off of it. You know, Does none not of that matter. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. How do you think these guys sleep at night? Really? How do you No, Aren't there more important things to focus on? Well, that's, well, that's they how they get paid. Somebody from the Department of Justice to every one of our hearings sat right in the middle of a jury box and stared at us like mm-hmm. we're watching you from Washington, D.C. They didn't have a problem sleeping at all. They thought they were doing their job, locking a bunch of these goddamn drug criminals up. Didn't matter. We were a doctor and an, and a, an attorney that survived cancer. Didn't matter a goddamn bit to them. And mm. Such a shame. Well, bless Such your a heart. Truly, really, it's a shame. What you, yeah. Um, I'm wondering, what do you guys think? Um, this is super important. What do you think Johnson's nickname is going to be in prison? Who's Batman now? What do you think? Big Johnson. Big Johnson. <laughs> Big Johnson. Yeah, that's going to be his name over there. They're going to call him Big Johnson on the yard. Big Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Find out real quick what it means to be a wood. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to. Oh, he is. Yes. Get your he's, homies around you that are woods. He is going to be in the wood pile for sure. That's right. Wait, what's a wood? It's white Wait, people. Maybe we need white to people. This off camera. White, white people. Dude. White people. I didn't know what it was till I got there. Yep. And they go, oh. Are you in charge of the woods? Yeah. No. Uh, woods stands for Pecker Woods, which is basically the classification for white people in jail. And so when you go to jail, you ride in that car. If you're white, you are considered a wood. 
<sighs> yep, that's what happens in jail. Heavy shit. Yes. Okay. Heavy, heavy and shit. You I'll can tell you. Become somebody's bitch in a New York minute. Yeah, you'll be holding their pocket, Ooh. walking around the yard. But I, I, well, and on this, on that note, yeah, since this is a sad story, I have an even sadder story for you guys. And I'm sorry we're going to end the show on a sad story, but, but I think it's an important one, Liz. And I, and I'm, 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 I'm very intrigued to hear it, to hear your thoughts on this. Um, because this happened out in Nashville, you guys. Okay. So not too far from you, Liz. But parents of a one year old charged after a child found alone near 15 pounds of marijuana in a Nashville rental. Now, I'm just going to say that headline is a little bit misleading as you read into this article or whatnot, because I'm trying to figure out how a child is found near 15 pounds. And in the article, you guys will see. But the parents of a one-year-old are facing multiple charges after their child was found alone with 15 pounds of marijuana and a loaded Glock pistol inside a short-term rental in Nashville. DeSanto Haskin, 19, and Jane Snell, 18, were both arrested Tuesday afternoon by Metro Police at the Mint House on Rosa L. Parks Boulevard. Metro Police reported officers were called to location after staff said they found a child alone in a rental when they went to clean the unit. Upon arrival, officers noticed a strong smell of marijuana and located several large bags of marijuana inside a closet after conducting a prospective sweep of the unit. Authorities reported that the child... Uh, 15 pounds of marijuana and a loaded Glock pistol and more than $17,000 in cash were all found inside the unit, according to the officers. Scales and packaging material were also in plain view. And uh, Haskin and Snell were both arrested after they showed up to the rental as officers were investigating the scene, said Metro Police. And Haskin allegedly claimed that the marijuana gun and related materials all belong to him. He remains in Metro Jail on a $62,500 bond facing charges, including child neglect, child endangerment, possession of marijuana for resale, gun possession in the commission of a dangerous felony, and possession of drug paraphernalia. The mother, Snell, who was also taken into custody and charged with child neglect, child endangerment, she remains in Metro Jail on a $12,000, $500 bond. And Metro Police said the child was taken to Vanderbilt Hospital as a precaution and the Department of Child Services was re reportedly called to make custody arrangements. Man, oh man, that's a sad, sad tale. What do you two think mm. about that? Ugh, I'm more concerned about the gun. And leaving mm -hmm. a kid, a one-year-old kid alone, uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like the gun was out there for a kid to just crawl over and get it, but it's still pretty stupid to leave a one-year-old alone. I agree with that. Of anything in the, in I, that. In I, it. I, yeah. I, I totally agree with you on that because the reality is if they wouldn't have left the child alone, this would never happen. This would never happen to them. Um, the housekeeper would have just went in there and cleaned like normal and things would have been whoop-de-whoop, -whoop, peachy keen and been moving on to tomorrow. Well, that's right. That's right. I say this child dodged a bullet. Um, I'm sorry that this child had to be in this situation with these two super irresponsible human beings who didn't give a fuck about that child. So I think this is a win story. I think they used marijuana just to get clickbait and headlines. But, um, you know, I, I think what yeah, you, how are you leaving what, a one-year-old child? What, what do you think? How are you leaving them with a gun? You know, that's the thing. Flour, and that was going to be my next question. What mm -hmm. was it? Um, was it 15 pounds of flour versus, like, edibles? Says, I think says, parents who leave edibles around their children are highly irresponsible as yes. well. Like, 100%. You, you just... Yes, they're selfish. It's just like, I'm glad you feel good, mm -hmm. but your kid is actually trying to have a childhood and, like, live an awesome life. Mm -hmm. So, um it's yeah it, it, it's definitely i'm glad they're gone lock them up and throw away damn it's lock also them up and throw away the key interesting that they take the kid to the hospital okay, now hey, yeah. hang on because i worked in an emergency room and i've had kids show up that had actually taken drugs that would kill them okay yeah if somebody showed up and the parents said oh they got hold of my gummy we went in the back and kind of chuckled it's like okay do you understand that you're, no human being can eat enough of this stuff to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm not advocating you do that. The kids probably no. have experience. But taking them to the emergency room like it's that fentanyl case in New York where mm -hmm. those idiot fucking people 
left fentanyl around little children. It's not that. It's the hysteria over this that just is. Well, don't you think? Don't you think, Dale, that they did that? Don't don't you think, Dale, that they did that mainly for the the police report? And when they take it to the judge, they'll be able to stipulate that they did this, and that just creates to the drama effect in the courtroom. Well, of course it does, but it's drama. It's not factual. You know, the the overdose, the the lethal dose for half the population is fifteen hundred pounds consumed in fifteen minutes. And this was only so fifteen a kid in a pounds. House with fifteen pounds, it's fucking stupid. But listen, it is fucking stupid. But listen, here's what we're dealing with right now. You know, being in a state like Texas, we don't have you know really legal products unless you are, have your prescription and you have to get them a certain way. Blah blah blah. But you can go down the street and get Delta Nine gummies and uh, you know Delta Eight gummies and Delta whatever gummies, right in the um, gas station. So when you leave, you know, those, even the Delta nine, that is like perfectly, it will never kill you. It can truly harm a child. Um, I, unfortunately, there's a person in, in my circle who uh, left her gummies around and her child got into her gummies and child actually went into a coma, you know? And so it could have been, hey, maybe sugar coma, you know, I don't know. But it is definitely, it's a federal substance, federally controlled substance. And um, it's just, it was a real big deal. And, you know, my heart goes out to the family and my heart goes out to my friend. But my heart truly goes out to that child, you know, and hoping that that child is, is you know, okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure she is, but um, it just fucking sucks, man. We got to be yeah. careful and more responsible. I think more responsible. Yes, very, very, yes. very true. Definitely. Parents, make sure that you are not doing things like this. You definitely have to be responsible. But I, I just have one, yeah. one quick question before we wrap it up. Do any of you find it interesting that the headline read as it did when in reality, the 15 pounds of weed were in a trash bag in a closet? Yeah, that's no, media. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, like uh, that's total, total, that's a shocker. Total, 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 total clickbait. The kid was not necessarily it's like they got the baby sitting on bricks, you know, with the gun, yeah, and the chains. Oh man, like, uh, that's like, like a lotto, yeah. like the, uh, like it's, the, like the, Ameri right. like the American Eagle in a, a America, fuck yeah, video yeah. Yeah. with the tattoo yeah, of the American tattoo. Eagle yeah, across exactly. his chest. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty tough right there. That would be pretty tough. Oh <sighs> man, oh man, I hope you guys got a good visual, but thank you all. Uh, thank you so much, Liz and Dale, for, for coming on today. We definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate it very much. And thank you, Jason. Uh, yes, thank you all for getting high at 9 with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience and supporters for always tuning in daily and learning what is the developing insanity in the cannabis industry. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you to Liz. Thank you to Dale for coming on today. Um, and thank you for spending your time with us. We know you could have been anywhere else, and we do appreciate it. And this has been High at Nine News, America's number one daily cannabis news show.